you know, if you think about why is it challenging for us, I mean, last year, the, the meat buyer did not have a problem. Their, their KPIs are green, right? They're hitting their targets in revenue. They're hitting their targets in, in margin. They did not have a problem. And, and I like to say that if the buyer doesn't have a problem, the salesperson does. Welcome in. I'm so glad you made us part of your day. I'm Tony Moore, expert food and beverage headhunter, semi-professional podcaster, and I interview the best heads in business to bring you all the important trends shaping the $6 trillion food and beverage industry. My totally awesome brands featured here take us deep into the world of sustainability and the plant-based food movement, the up-and-coming CBD and good-for-you categories. How about the purpose and mission-based companies striving to make real change in our world? They're here too. The latest in food tech. You want to learn how to build a brand, maybe scale a brand? I've got you covered. Don't forget to subscribe and follow me on LinkedIn. Stay tuned. You know, plant-based food and sellers have been introducing plant-based foods for years into food service and into the retail channels. But it seems recently there's been a lot of investment into startups and into large conglomerates who are creating, you know, internal business units to kind of capitalize and ride that wave. And it's created a new set of challenges for those alternative protein and plant-based food sellers as they move into the market. And I, this is going to be a great topic today because I have George Azevedo and he is the chief revenue officer for Plantera Foods. And what I think is interesting about your background, George, is that you came from literally one of the largest food brands in the world, uh, Kraft Heinz Company where you were uh, an executive there in running the uh, Kroger operation, huge uh, budget, you know, $2 billion, and now you go to a startup. So that's got to be um, very exciting, very different for your career. Yes, it is. Tony, it's a, it's a pleasure to be talking to you. Thanks for, for taking the time to, to listen to some of my stories here. It's been uh, it's been an exhilarating uh, experience just to be here with, with Plantera and to see such a drastic difference between one of the largest food companies in the world, Kraft Heinz, with all the infrastructure that a large food company has and the expertise in go-to-market and all the work that we do to maintain that, that, huge, uh, that, that huge company and the huge revenue lines that are already established and then come over uh, to kind of the other side of the business where you're trying to establish that that uh, revenue lines to establish a business and literally starting it from from scratch right when uh when I first came in we had uh, we had a, an idea on a laptop and now uh, we have a, a company that is going into um, significant sales we've grown over a thousand percent a year for the past two years since the inception of it very different challenges but some of the principles of good food still apply and uh, I'm just glad that we were able to put together a team that is seeking uh, success there. What is it personally that has attracted you to the plant-based food initiative and more broadly, the mission to help people adopt this plant-based diet? What, why are you so personally you know, drawn to that? 
Sure, sure. So, so to answer that question, let me just go back and, and clarify some things for for the listener that Plantera is a subsidiary of JBS. Uh, JBS is the largest animal protein company in the world, and uh, I, I've known the, the CEO of JBS for for a while. And one of the challenges that JBS has is that it has too much demand for its products. JBS is in a fantastic position, but when we look at the challenges that that we have, even if uh, a single meat company were to acquire every possible meat company in the world, we still have the challenge of feeding future generations. So a better uh, protein mix uh, for the future is essential. And, and I say that simply because uh, animal protein demands so much uh, resources, specifically land. And yes. we don't have enough land to supply the world in 2050. So JBS is very conscious of that, very serious about their mission to feed future generations. So, uh, and I, I'm specifically sensitive to wildlife habitat preservation coming from Brazil, seeing the degradation in the Amazon forest, degradation in, in native forests there, specifically for the expansion of livestock supporting lands. Uh, had been uh, a cause that was that was dear to me. When I got the call to to come in and see if I could help uh, push forward this idea, it was really about how do we find a way to improve this mix of protein to feed the world in the future using less resources, right? In a responsible way, because a lot of people were talking about just destroying the cow and basically creating a problem in order to solve uh, another one. And we wanted to come in with the idea of how do we truly find a solution that offers a balanced mix for us to feed generations in just, uh, it, it's less than three decades, so it's, it's here. Uh, and that's what inspired me uh, to come over to, to Plantera, and I'm really glad that I did. And also the fact that it's a, it's a brand new experience. The, the line that actually hooked me to come to Plantera is when they said, hey, would you like to come here and sell the first dollar? of this brand that, that can is be exciting. a major player. And and I'm I'm so glad that I did, right? So so today I'm I'm really hooked on that. I'm very mission driven. And uh you know if, if I were in a in a job interview and people ask me what motivates me, I think that that is that sense of accomplishment is one day looking back and being able to point to my son or to my daughter that I helped build it. Right. That that's what uh, I wanted to do. Uh, so they they're certainly hooked me with that line. And I'm, I'm proud to have sold that first dollar. And I continue to go back to these first just uh, about a week or so ago. I was visiting our plant here and I was able to get the first package that came out of the line with our new plant based chicken. So I'm very excited about that. It, it, to see something come from a greenfield operation from, like you say, you know, a desk and a laptop and a, a cell phone into what you hope to be, you know, a, uh, you know, a multi-million dollar, maybe bigger uh, organization. It, it is pretty exciting. And I know you guys have uh, multiple channels, right, that you're mm-hmm. selling into. You've got That's your right. retail, you have your food service, you have global uh, uh, distribution as well. I think what's interesting is let's kind of focus on the retail side because that's where most of the consumers are. That that's where they go. They're in the grocery stores and they're filling their baskets with with meat products. And now they're thinking, "Hey, I want to try this, you know, alternative protein mix." Now, you as the seller, you're having a you know you you come from the world of dealing with with the Krogers. You know, you know how these big operations work. So, what's been the the biggest challenge uh, or differences now that you see trying to introduce these, you know, alternative proteins into these traditional channels? 
Yeah, it's it's been a roller coaster, I think, for for everyone in the channel, uh, specifically in this category, uh, with COVID specifically, right? But what uh, what happened is in 2019, a, a lot of items of several degrees of quality were accepted into the retail shelves. So if you kind of put your mind back, you visited a Kroger in October, November 2019, you had a number of different brands that were offering a lot of different qualities of plant-based meat. And the general expectation is that uh, plant-based meat was just going to take over the world. There was no tomorrow for regular meat. And then COVID comes and reality hit the door where there was this huge demand for animal protein. Still, you you probably saw a number of pictures of empty shelves where animal protein just wasn't present. The person who is on the other side of the desk when you negotiate with a Kroger, with a Walmart, or with a local grocer is the meat buyer, right? The, the alternative meat buyer, the, the, the plant-based buyer. That person doesn't exist. It's, it's not a job in most 99.9% of the retailers. doesn't have a person that is responsible for only buying plant-based meat. So you're selling to that meat buyer and that meat buyer has a responsibility to deliver on her KPIs uh, that are sales, um, asset utilization of the shelf and the margin that they make around that shelf. And today still fresh beef is multiple times, it's over 60 times the size of fresh, all fresh meat alternatives combined. So when you talk to a meat buyer, the meat buyer, um, had a lot of other topics to be concerned and that slowed down the expansion of distribution for all plant-based in 2020 a lot of the the brands that were not offering great quality got discontinued uh i think rightfully so they were not offering a great product to the consumer at the end of the day we're in the food business so you have to offer people uh, good food in order to be invited to their homes and it's, it's been a big challenge and what happened once distribution stopped growing, once trial um, happened and repeat was low for, for plant-based protein, you saw big brands like Beyond Meat faltering in terms of velocities, uh, in terms of growth year over year, and the selling environment becomes a lot more challenging and we really had to uh, put our, our effort behind selling against the quality of our product, showing why it's differentiated, and bringing innovation to the category. That's the critical thing, right? Uh, a lot of what you see in the category today are different versions of ground beef. But if you think about this future, the impossible future, is it really a future <laughs> that you want where you only eat ground beef every day? Right. We need to make a possible future here. We need to make something that people actually want to eat. That the impossible future is is versions of ground beef. That's not a future I want to be a part of. So how do we go? How do we go past? Uh, how do we go past that future? And that's what we have been selling to to the retailers now. Right. Uh, is is this future of different alternatives, not only versions of ground beef? And you have a, from what I understand, you, you're developing or you do have an innovation platform. We do, we do, and it's very exciting. It's hitting shelves now. Uh, it's it's already selling at Giant Eagle, selling really well. It's already accepted at Publix, at AGB. Uh, it's going into the natural channel in a number of different stores. Frankly, all the best retailers in the country are getting this product. It is a, a True, it's the true bite technology is what we call it, but it's a chicken cutlet and shredded chicken. It's the, I'd say the first plant-based item you actually need an, uh, a knife and a fork to eat. So the the forks over knives magazine might finally have to readdress their title uh, because now you do have a you have <laughs> a vegan alternative that you need right. a knife to eat. That's well, exactly it's got the right. Substance, you know, the, the the substance and texture that 
that, that I think that the flexitarians are looking to, you know, continue to experience. It does. It does. And, and, and it offers it offers a new step to the category that is innovation, right? It's true innovation that brings new people to the category that, that pushes the envelope on how does a plant-based protein can perform. And, and the buyer, it's, it's a breath of fresh air because, you know, if you think about why is it challenging for us? I mean, last year, the, the meat buyer did not have a problem. Their, their KPIs are green, right? They're hitting their targets in revenue. They're hitting their targets in, in margin. They did not have a problem, and and I like to say that if the buyer doesn't have a problem, the salesperson does, right? It, it just, that, that's <laughs> just mean, the way it is. That just right? resonates with I think literally every sales and marketing person because you're we're there to solve problems. You have to exactly. bring you have to bring exactly. a solution, and if everything in their meat case is has triple demand for it, right, and and you can't stock it enough. How are you going to convince them to give you more space, to take space away from another high velocity item, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So now now we come back in, in the end of 2021, when you see the large brands like Beyond starting to sell less than they sold the prior year. Meanwhile, you're seeing the craft foods and general mills of the world selling more. You start to raise some eyebrows, right? What is going on? And then you can call that buyer again and say, hey. Uh, I have a solution for you. I know you have a problem with this. It's not performing as you expected because that buyer now is getting called into the director's office, into the VP's office and say, and, and having to answer the question, what the heck's going on with plant-based? I thought we were growing at 100% and now I see a red dot. People hate red dots. So how do you help them turn that into a green dot? That is our job here. That's Our, our job is to offer you them make green dots. Uh, something good. We make green dots. That's you all it's all green about. Dots. It's just, you know, oversimplify it. Well, I think there's something different too about the plant-based world because when I go through the grocery stores, I honestly, I don't see a lot of what I would call shopper incentives. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like when when I go in there, I I know I do, I'll see regular beef, you know, they on sales and specials. Is there, why is that? Why do we not see more like in-store promotions? Yeah, I, I think there are a couple of reasons for that. One, the volume in the category is still so small that we do not benefit from the large economies of scale that uh, beef does. So it, it's rare that you have a plant-based uh, layer that is shipping full trucks even to a Kroger or a Whole Foods, right? Most of us are shipping limited quantities on the truck or going through a distributor. So there is a significant portion of the margin that is absorbed through that value chain and we have less uh, to play at, at the final end yeah the margins the are piece, just lower yeah margins are lower so you don't have as much margin to to use for incentives the other piece is i think we're very focused on the people that can afford to buy plant-based and the argument hasn't been it is an affordable item for your diet i think that will change so far the demographic of the plant-based consumer is the person that is willing to trade up the person that is concerned about the environment concerned about health and is willing to pay for that benefit that is that is the target audience today that is also the reason why the household uh, has stopped expanding at the, the fast rate that we saw in 2019. So if the question is, how do we expand even more? I think there's a significant argument for improving quality, 
right? You, you have to tell people the person that is not willing to pay more for health and is not willing to pay more for the impact on the environment. That person has to be convinced by having quality that is improved, by having taste that is improved, or by having a, a price that is lower, and probably all of these combined. So Correct. the future of plant-based, the, the point of no return, once it really goes and, and beef becomes a luxury item that is high-priced, is, is when plant-based offers a lower-priced, high-quality alternative. And I think that is coming up in the next three to five years. Well, you, you, you mentioned a couple of things there that, that kind of trigger some different thoughts. One, you've got the beef industry, which is obviously subsidized. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's probably very challenging for for plant based because if mm-hmm. if beef was really priced, you know, as it should be, right, you would beef would be a, a more premium product to begin with. But I think with the subsidies, that obviously kind of keeps the price a little bit lower, more affordable. And then of course, how do we get people to trade up and spend more in a environment where there's so much inflation? I think that is the underlying issue too. It's costing more to fill up your basket. So now yes. people are having to make choices, right? Where do I spend? I'm already paying more for these other staples. So I, th- I do think that puts a little bit of pressure, you know, on, on the, uh, the choices that the consumer makes to, to fill that basket. I think you're, I think you're right, Tony. And there's something there to be said about a subsidization of the beef uh, category in the U S and, and in most beef reducing markets. And, and that is not matched, um, uh, Pound for pound or dollar for dollar on the the plant-based category, there there's of course some uh, subsidies for agricultural production. But truth be told, most of the protein that is used uh, is 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 not on the subsidized category uh, in the United States on in in much of the emerging markets uh, yet. So so there is a hurdle there to be cleared. But the biggest piece of the hurdle is the volume. So while plant-based alternatives produce a day. Uh, what? Uh, sorry, to produce uh, plant-based alternatives produce in a year, what beef produces in half a day. Th- mm. That is the comparison, right? Oh, so wait, go through that. Uh, wait, go through that again. <laughs> wait, say that. So, fresh meat alternative volumes for an entire year are equivalent to beef volumes for a single day. Oh, that's staggering. That is staggering, but that piles up because your cost absorption at the plant is very different. Your storage costs, very different. Your asset utilization, very different. Your transportation costs per pound, very, very different. The velocity at the shelf, very, very different. You're talking about stores that are selling 150 pounds, 200 pounds of ground beef a day. And some of the best performing items in our category are going to sell 15 20 items per store per week. If I go into pounds, you're talking about five pounds a week. So you're talking about velocities that are disparaging, that are very, very different. The best plant-based item at Kroger today ranks 150th in the meat category. So think about that for a minute, how much room for growth there is, but also how high is the mountain that we have to climb. The best plant-based item at Kroger today ranks number 150 
in the meat category. And it goes back to the fact that buyers have to make those choices on the real estate, right? So the, the meat yeah. buyer Kroger is a fantastic guy, incredibly smart, and he's making those choices day in and day out, looking at what is his job. And his job is to deliver for his company, is to serve well uh, his customers and consumers. And so far, uh, he's been doing that great, but the plant-based items at Kroger shrink. If you look at 2019 versus 2020 footprint, Kroger has reduced the size of plant-based. Now, do I think it's going to grow again? Yes, absolutely. I do. Because I, I think it's inevitable force that down the road, beef prices are going to go up. You're seeing that happen already. And plant-based item prices are going to go down. It's just a matter of, of time until we, we get to that point. Right. And you just have to have you know a smart business behind your business and you do, mm -hmm. or you have um, very patient investors, if there is such a thing, uh, that, right. that, <laughs> that believe in the mission and the purpose of launching these plant-based alternatives. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's a good point. And let, let me, let me expand that a bit, right? Because when, when I talk about patient investors, that, that is one of the critical things about uh, Plantera is that our key investor, our only investor is the largest meat plant and the meat, meat company in the world. And they are patient investors, not, not to say that they're, they're not asking for results and looking for uh, solid, robust business plans with a great sense of urgency. Absolutely. They are, but the different here is that the difference here is that they are strategic investors that see plant-based as a core capability they want to develop globally for the future of their company and and for the solution of a global problem it is different than a private equity fund that is investing in a startup and needs to exit in five years it's a critical difference in the behavior of the management team. Very, I, I'm glad you brought that point up. It's a critical difference. Yeah, critical difference. Well, with your background uh, in managing other kind of global operations, and of course at Plantera, you've got a, a global uh, division that you're running. How can you kind of walk us through some of the the other countries that maybe have been quicker to adopt, that maybe have better velocities, or maybe America is leading the way. Tell us more about that side of it. No, Europe is very advanced. And actually, one of the things that I'm, I'm proudest here uh, of our performance at Plantera was our ability to reach over 12 international markets in 12 months. So we're really glad with that. Plantera already has uh, distribution and is selling in Europe, several countries in Canada, in Mexico, several countries in the Caribbean, several countries in Latin America. And that's part of our global expansion footprint. Um, our, our mission to feed future generations demands that we reach uh, as many consumers as possible. We're working very hard to get our brand into Asia Pacific and Africa as well. Now, uh, Europe is very advanced compared to the United States in terms of plant-based. Uh, in terms of assortment, in terms of quality of offerings, in terms of pricing, competitiveness of the offerings. We just launched with a big partnership with Weight Rose, one of the largest retailers in the UK. And the, the velocities are very different. The, the velocities of our own items in the UK are about five times what the velocities of our items are in the US. Right now, there there's a number of reasons for that. I mean, the UK has a much more densely urban population. So uh, if you look at just the urban stores in the US, that difference in velocity drops from six times to about three times. So the urban stores in the US, of course, turn a little faster than, than the rural stores. But largely, it is because household penetration there is very broad. 
because uh, the presence of a plant-based alternative there is older. Uh, it they, the companies exist for for a long period of time. JBS completed the acquisition of Vivera. It's a Dutch plant-based company with over 20 years of history, and uh, you can see from there that they've been at it for a long time. They have great experience in the market. They've been working that market and convincing people of the benefits of having a flexitarian diet, really. It's not a plant-based diet, and, and that's a critical difference in the approach for a long time. So the U.S. is not leading the way uh, in plant-based adoption. It is, however, one of the largest plant-based markets in the world simply because of our size, right? We have uh, almost 350 million people, and you compare that uh, to the UK, uh, just a critical mass is, is very different. However, in Europe, the household penetration and the adoption is uh, much higher. Yeah, and I think you, you've kind of touched on it that you've got the mental adoption has already happened overseas, right? And the US is now catching up. And we can thank some of the big players who are, they've invested millions of dollars in marketing. That is definitely helping kind of pave the way. Um, but I'm really glad that, you know, you guys have this, Clean label. Um, you've also, I think it's it's under um, Ozo, right? That's kind of the the main. Uh... That's correct. Ozo. So Plantera has the the vision of feeding future generations, and Ozo is our best tool to get there. It's a it's a brand that is a non judgmental brand. We're not here to convince people that what they choose today is wrong. We're not here to tell people that what they had for dinner is is necessarily damaging the world. We're here to tell people that there is a great tasting alternative out there that is plant-based. We're here to tell people that they can eat plant-based once a week, twice a week and be satisfied. And we're here for the long run. Uh, and, and I look back at my own home for that, right? If you, if you think about adoption here, our generation uh, looks at this as a change we have to implement. But I'll tell you, my kids don't look at it that way at all. When I bring Ozo nuggets back to them or when I cook them for them an Ozo cheeseburger, they love it. And it's something that comes natural to them. And I know that when they grow up and they want to feed their families, eating plant-based is just going to be second nature. Right. It's going to be natural. It's going to be just like having grilled chicken on a given day or spaghetti bolognese. It is going to be a generational shift. And we're going to see that in our lifetimes. By the time our grandkids are having dinner, plant-based is going to be a major component of that diet and it's just going to happen and it's going to be great for the planet to have, have that that better option now do we need to go for the destruction of another industry uh, as we approach it no i don't think so the same way that elon musk has said that if he had a button to end all fossil fuels right now he wouldn't do it if i had a button to to end all animal protein production right now i wouldn't do it either it's a major production it's critical for feeding the world today now it's a it's an industry that needs help uh it needs help to efficiently feed future generations and that's the mission here at plantera and ozo is our best tool to make that happen it's a, it's a great brand it really resonates with people even more than the leading brands in the market actually when we do uh, consumer research uh, the acceptance of the brand across demographics is higher than for the leading brands from end to end from from children all the way to seniors and we're very excited about bringing that brand mainstream uh, Always all natural, always non-GMO, pushing on taste, always, and always non-judgmental. It's really about building, uh, building a bridge, bringing alternatives, and letting people know that you don't need to compromise. You can have plant-based uh, on a Thursday. You can have your steak on a Saturday to celebrate somebody's birthday, and it's okay, uh, and it's accepted, and that's how the world will eat.
it, it might be a, feel like a challenge and a change for us today, but it's going to be natural in, in 10 years. I love that you're going after and targeting the flexitarian market. And we've talked about flexitarians some on the podcast um, from, from maybe those who aren't fully comprehending what that means. What, what's the over, what is a flexitarian? Yeah, it, it's uh, for me, and, and I'm a very simple guy in the terms of you probably heard me oversimplifying a lot of things here when I said with the, so the meat buyer doesn't have a problem, the seller does, and the right. return red <laughs> I love that though. Dodge. That's, a, that's... So, <laughs> so the way for me to oversimplify what a flexitarian is, flexitarian is basically everyone that is open to trying something new that doesn't come from an animal. And, and I swear, if you explain it to people, that 98% that are not vegan are probably going to raise their hands and say, that sounds like me. I don't have a problem eating something. And the flexitarian is the person who doesn't have a problem eating spaghetti marinara. Spaghetti marinara is plant-based. It is plant-based. The, the thing is you just don't eat it because you're against spaghetti bolognese. That's the flexitarian. The <laughs> flexitarian is adopting the, the alternative without the concern for it to being anti-meat. That's the key thing. And when I sell ozo, I don't want to sell ozo simply because people are planting a flag on the ground and saying I'm against beef and that's why I'm buying. If that's the reason to buy, I'll part of you. I appreciate your, your, your strength behind the cause. However, try it because it tastes fantastic. Try it because it's good. So the flexitarian is simply the person who is open to trying something uh, with a little bit more of a mix of animal protein in their diet. That's me. That's me, right? So and if that you've is ever me done too. A meatless, yeah, if you've ever done a meatless Monday, that's probably you. If you went to a Chipotle and you thought that, hey, I'm going to get a, a vegetarian burrito today, what the heck, might as well. You're a flexitarian. That, that's what it is, right? And, and it's about people just have normal lives and every once in a while want to eat something that uh, makes them feel a little lighter, that they feel does a little better for the environment, doesn't harm animals. Uh, that's basically what the flexitarian is. Exactly. I. And, and I love that you say that, you know, Ozo is a, a, a non-guilt-based product because no one wants to buy something because they're being guilted into something. They want to do it because it, it feels good. And it's, oh, by the way, yeah, it has all these other benefits. I noticed on your website that you have, I don't know if this is like the tagline, but it was, it was kind of clever. It was Ozo good. Ozo good. Yes. <laughs> I, thought that was, I, thought, I thought, man, that is really clever because let's face it. I mean, we're consumers. You, you want to buy things that taste good. And yeah, as, as the plant-based technology, right. Increases, like you say now, fork and knife required. So very good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, it just becomes more and more easy to do that. Well, the, listen, I, I love that we've, you know, given everyone an introduction to this new brand, you know, through a, an old established company, right? JBS is a very well established company and you've got this um, kind of fast growing alternative out there now that is really expanding. I've seen you guys in the news. I've seen you all over LinkedIn. That's why I want, I had to get you down here. And I'm so glad you were able to carve some, you know, some time out with us today. Where where can people find Ozo or Plantera if they want to kind of add this into their kind of weekly mix? Sure. And I appreciate that question. So our frozen line is present at Kroger stores nationwide. So all the Kroger banners, uh, King Supers, 
uh, any Kroger banner really, Mariano's in Chicago, around the country, Fry's, you can go and find our products there in the frozen meat aisle. We're also uh, positioned at Albertsons, Shaw's, uh, Safeway stores around the country. We are just shipping to AGB in Texas now, eventually in all their stores, Giant Eagle, um, around the Pittsburgh area, carrying our products as well. Publix carries our product in almost 1,300 stores starting in March of That's this incredible. year. Yeah, we're really building some some good distribution. We're present in about 40 of our 50 states so far. But if you want to look for some uh, the best stores in the, the natural channels, uh, carrier products, it's either placed in the frozen meat category or in fresh meat where plant-based can be found. That's where our, our products are. And if you want to take a look at our portfolio, take a look at ozofoods.com. Uh, there's an e-store out there. Uh, you can purchase. We deliver that uh, nationwide as well. And for you guys, ozofood would be ozofoods.com. Yeah. And Tony, I don't know if you have a minute, but just to explain why the heck do we call it Ozo and yeah, not what, what's funny, the backstory? funny non-meat name, right? Yeah. That, and that's the key thing that from the get-go, we did not want to go against beef. We wanted people to make a positive choice. That's important to us. I want you to pick the Tesla not because you hate Toyota, right? But because Tesla is a great car. I want you to eat Ozo because it tastes good and because the brand resonates with you, not because you need to do something impossible or go beyond what you actually like to eat. That was the key thing for us. So we ideated every possible silly non-meat name in the world and we couldn't come across something that made sense. But one of the things we knew is that we were concerned about the utilization of Earth's resources. And that was the first O of Ozo. We wanted to make sure that we're connecting with nature and to symbolize that as the sun. And that was the second O of Ozo. But we didn't want to make it too obvious. So we, we drew a zigzag in the middle of them uh, to symbolize the indirect connection between the Earth's resources. And, and that's and where the you came up with the Z. Of everything we have. That's the Z. So Ozo symbolizes that connection of uh, nature and uh, the smart utilization of Earth's resources. And it's a brand that is abstra abstract. People can assign their own meaning to to it to me it's a happy brand that is not judging you for what you do it is just here to try to be a, a good partner in life and be invited to your home that's uh that what that's what ozo wants to be it's all about taste the tagline is taste the good in life we talk about something being ozo good because we have a really high bar for quality and specifically for taste and we continue to push forward with that we're seeing great success so far uh we uh we have uh, great plans for the future, especially as we expand into new channels now. Well, you flexitarians out there, and for those that you know love love meat, I highly encourage you to start exploring this world because if you're an athlete or not, if just listen to people who have adopted this type of diet and they rave about how good they feel, they feel lighter. There's so many benefits just for yourself personally. We're not even getting into the whole sustainability issues, which George has already talked about because there are you know, major benefits there as well. George, this has been fantastic. I, I've wanted to meet you for the longest time and talk about this company. Thank you so much for giving us a great overview of the challenges, how you're meeting it, and all the great things that we hope to see now with uh, with Ozo and, and Plantera in the future. Tony, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for, for having me here today. It's great talking to you. Thank you.